thank you everyone for coming in. Um, today is Veterans Day, November 11th, and um, we're, I've put together a special presentation tonight called Thank You for Your Service, and it's going to be kind of a two-part affair, and the first part is going to be a, uh, an update on uh, the BRCs, or the Blind Rehab Centers, available through the, the, the VA system, uh, and I have a very special guest, uh, Ms. Stephanie Rood who is an instructor with the Long Beach VA at their BRC. And we're going to get a chance to get an update on what, uh, what, they, what they all do and what uh, this one in, and what hers in particular is doing and how they're adapting and, and serving the vets during, um, uh, during the, the uh, pandemic lockdowns and, and closures and stuff like that. So uh, let me give you a little background. My name is Tyson Ernst. I am the acting president of Visually Impaired Veterans of America, VIVA, and that is the veterans affiliate of ACB. Uh, we've been around for a number of decades, and our purpose is to serve the interests of blind veterans um, throughout America, not just necessarily in ACB. So um, we do uh, advocacy work, we do support work, networking, uh, helping to get uh, veterans that are visually impaired those uh, services that they need. All right. And uh, that is our mission. And I'll give out contact information on how, uh, if you wish to join VIVA, um, you do not need to be a veteran. You just need to be uh, someone who supports the causes of veterans. Uh, we do obviously welcome veterans, and our board is our, our acting uh, board is made up of all visually impaired veterans, uh, with the exception of, of one of our board of directors who is helping out, and she's a former VIST coordinator from Northern California, uh, Margie Donovan. But uh, we'll talk about the board here towards the end, too. So without further ado, I would love to welcome our special guest, Ms. Stephanie Rood. Thank you so much for coming and talking to us tonight. Uh, you're very welcome. Um, just a little background on myself. I have been do using assistive technology probably since... 1982 or 83 it's changed tremendously over the years and um i started out volunteering uh let's say braille institute doing a various sundry number of things including teaching some of their first internet classes that was in los angeles um i eventually uh started working with what was once called junior in well, Junior Blind of America was eventually the name. It's been changed. Several I worked times. there for ten. Yes, <laughs> um, Junior Blind of America. Uh, I worked there for ten years in the computer lab. I started out actually as a uh, dorm counselor, but I was really doing computer duties. Uh, from there, I eventually was in like a lab assistant, and then eventually assistant. Uh, coordinator for the lab and I did that for 10 years teaching JAWS, Zoom text, um, CCTVs, um, a number of things, uh, note-taking devices um, and during that time there I also got my master's degree in assistive technology and human services which gave me the opportunity to apply for the VA. Uh, Long Beach opened its doors was established in 2010 and actually really opened the doors of their center in 2012 when I started working in October of 2012. That's kind of a little a bit about me in a nutshell. 
Um, let me tell you that there are 13 blind rehab centers in across the nation. Um, the um, blind rehab centers, uh, known as BRCs, are residential inpatient programs that provide comprehensive adjustment to blindness training and serve as a resource to a geographical area usually comprised of several states. Uh, BRCs offer a variety of skill courses designed to help blind veterans achieve a realistic level of independence. These skill areas include, but may not be limited to, orientation and mobility, activities of daily living, often known as living skills, manual skills, visual skills, computer access training, social recreation activities. Veteran is also assisted in making emotional and behavioral adjustments to blindness through individual counseling sessions and group therapy meetings. Uh, to give you an idea of where some of these where the BRCs are located and their current state of operation due to COVID. Uh, Central Blind Rehabilitation Center in Hines, Illinois, was first was the first BRC established in the United States in 1948. Um, they were supposed to reopen, but their reopening has been pushed back two weeks. So two weeks from to, from um, yesterday, uh, yesterday or. Uh, I want to say it was two weeks from Monday because I'm trying to think of when the Vista and Bros had their um, meeting with us. So uh, they were pushed back due to spikes in COVID. Uh, the Western Blind Rehabilitation Center in uh, Palo Alto, California, reopened October 2nd with limited number of beds at this time. The Eastern Blind Rehabilitation Center located in West Haven, Connecticut is not open. American Lakes, located in uh, Tacoma, Washington, established in 1971, uh, reopened, um, is reopening in the near future. They're hoping to open in about two weeks. Uh, a reopening pushback due to COVID, of course. Uh, Waco Blind Rehabilitation Center. Waco, Texas, established in 1974, reopened two weeks ago um, with a limited number of beds. Uh, Southeastern Blind Rehabilitation Center in Birmingham, Alabama, established in 1982, is currently not open for inpatient service. Uh, Puerto Rico is not uh, is was established in 1986, is currently not open. Southwestern Blind Rehabilitation Center in Tucson, Arizona, established in 1994, reopened September 21st, as we did. Um, Augusta Blind Rehabilitation Center, Augusta, Georgia, established in 1996, has not reopened. West Palm Beach Blind Rehabilitation Center, West Palm Beach, Florida, established in 2000, is not open. Long Beach, we reopened uh, September 21st, and I'll go into more details about Long Beach in just a moment. Uh, 
Biloxi in Biloxi. Is that Mississippi? Mm, MS. It is Mississippi. Established in 2010. And Lewis Stokes, Cleveland, Blind Rehabilitation, Cleveland, Ohio, established in 2010, is also not open. We have Long Beach. Uh, reopened September 21st. Uh, to date, we have had 13 inpatients, four of which were regular uh, client, regular uh, programs, which means that's the core of living skills, um, visual skills, manual skills, orientation and mobility. And then we've had four dual, which means it's the regular program with the computer program. And we have had five in the CATS or computer access training program with an average stay of 19 days, uh, which is under three weeks. Um, um, I didn't get a number on how many virtual students. I'll talk about virtual students in just a minute, um, which is where we're using VA Video Connect or um, an equivalent like FaceTime or Google Duo or some of the others. Um, because of COVID in March, as a matter of fact, the week of my birthday, so that was the week of um, week of March 9th, um, we got orders from the hospital to discharge um, veterans as soon as possible. So by the next week, we had had all of our, we were not quite full house. I think we were at 14 or 16 veterans at that time in our full house. We can actually house up to 24 veterans, although one of them, one of our rooms is always occupied by an, a nocturnal staff member, and we have one for storage. So really, we can handle 22 uh, beds easily and 23 if we're pushed. Um, so in two weeks' time, we discharged everybody, sent them all home. Um, and at that time, it was a matter of, okay, um, what are we going to do and how are we going to do it? And so at first, uh, many of our staff members were deployed to a labor pool, meaning uh, what does the hospital need to keep functioning in this state of emergency? Um, that could be some of our folks were deployed to um, manning uh, various entry points and exit points to um, ensure that folks coming in uh, were potentially not infected and had various questions to answer in, in some of our one of our entrances and exits, they actually do take the temperature. And so for, um, I'd say, the month of April into part of May, we um, were established help for the hospital. Um, I was a part of um, a team that worked with telehealth to convert all these face-to-face -face appointments for various clinics um, all across the hospital. We would call clients um, let them know that their face-to-face -face has been canceled due to COVID and that we were offering them the opportunity to um, have their appointment uh, converted to a telehealth appointment. And if they didn't understand what telehealth was, we would tell them about the process of telehealth, needing to use email um, and being able to access a link in your email and then using a phone, a tablet, or a computer um, connect with what's called VA Video Connect uh, on a computer that's through um, your internet uh, browser. Usually um, it prefers Chrome, 
but we have been successful with other browsers by clicking a link and then filling in your name and then connect uh, on an iPad or an iPhone. It is clicking on the link, which then automatically opens the app that we help uh, many people download via video connect. And um, at that point, if the um, individual is able to put in at least their name and then click connect, they would be connected to the room and the rest of it, the provider could take care of. Android was a bit different um, because they were using a browser and um, they had, we had many problems with microphones and um, video cameras um, working properly because the veteran had to select a specific, they had to select one of, in some cases, three cameras and they had to select a microphone but they didn't understand sometimes that the microphone meaning select speaker because that was what the phone was considered. And so we converted something around in a, approximately a thousand calls. And that was a team of myself plus about on average eight other people. Other folks in the hospital were doing it, but we were doing a big bulk of it. So we had people out doing the, the doors and we also had people doing running because we no longer had volunteers uh, to help um, veterans navigate the halls of the VA and get to appointments that had to be seen in person like x-ray and some other uh, critical um, areas. And for that reason, um, some of our folks were escorting people from one place to another or running lab results or lab tests from one lab to another. Um, once we, um, once the hospital got on a better um, footing for um, being able to handle day-to-day activities, uh, we worked on establishing uh, what's called virtual training. Um, and that's where I was saying I don't know the number of virtual training we have completed to date. Um, I did get to talk to Mr. Vu, Don Vu, who's our clinical coordinator. I know that right now we have something in the neighborhood of, let's see, we probably have about 14 um, virtual clients at the moment, uh, anywhere from Guide, which is um, a screen enlargement and screen reader uh, access program that is um, menu-driven. iOS could be iPhone or iPad. Uh, We have a JAWS um, client at the moment. Uh, I think we have two JAWS clients at the moment, as a matter of fact. Um, and then, of course, Zoom Text, which is probably one of our most popular pieces of software that is um, issued out. And um, we encourage the veterans, <coughs> although we understand when you're working from home, that um, it's not always easy to keep a, a regular schedule, but we encourage to at least meet three times a week for one hour each meeting. So that's three hours a week so that the training can be consistent and um, there's not a lot of time in between each class where um, information learned can be forgotten. So that has been very successful, and that will continue on uh, for us on a regular uh, basis for some time. As at this point, <clears throat> many those of you who have been or know about the Long Beach VA, um, the residential wing is divided into a north and a south wing, 12 beds on each wing with the nursing station in the center. The north station, the north wing has been converted into a um, 
waiting area where um, folks coming in to be admitted into spinal cord or to what's called our community care living areas I need to spend 14 days before coming into the unit to ensure that they remain COVID-free. Um, have we had uh, patients convert to COVID twice that I know of, but they were quickly rushed to um, the hospital and out of our unit. Um, the unit on the north end is completely sealed. It's, there's no interaction with our veterans. Those veterans stay in their rooms. <coughs> Excuse me. They get their meals in their rooms on disposable trays. Um, all veterans and all staff who are inpatient at this time receive a weekly COVID test to ensure that everybody remains negative. Um, veterans cannot have visitors, nor can they go home on pass. So the veterans are calling it, we're in the bubble. Um, all um, recreational activities um, have to be approved by infection control. Um, and each BRC is different. Uh, our BRC, the infection control, is not allowing us to have any activities. We can have activities inside the BRC, but like walking out to the garden or to other places uh, amongst our on-grounds facilities, they're discouraging and sometimes even declining completely because they don't want us intermingling with other staff who could potentially be or other veterans who could potentially be on grounds for appointments and be COVID positive and not know it yet. So they have gone to some outside gardens and um, they went to a very, very small car um, show. Um, and the other thing, when they transport folks, um, they can only have, I think it's two or three veterans in the van for social distancing uh, to give us plenty of space. So they can't always take all of the veterans, um, which then means that either both um, of our recreation therapists, Liz Greco or Venice Rosario, need to be on station. Or like today and on Saturdays, I have been working and what I'm providing is I'm providing supplemental training to veterans. So today I did an, um, two iPad trainings, one iPhone training, and one JAWS training uh, with a repeat of uh, iPad trainings in the afternoon. So I spent six hours today doing trainings with veterans of my eight-hour day. We did celebrate Veterans Day. Um, pizza was brought in and pie was brought in uh, to celebrate along with their um, lunch trays. What the veterans are expected to do, besides the no visitors and no leaving, is wear a mask and when they're outside of their room. And um, at, the, at the table, we have social distancing. You might have remembered that we had tables of four. Well, now think of that table, two of those tables pushed together, and only two people are at those tables, one at one end and one at the other. Wow. We currently only have... Uh, let's see. I think we have seven veterans in-house at the moment, um, of which um, all, almost all of them have relatively um, – I want to say relatively – oh, shushed my watch um, – have relatively good vision. We started off 
with only um, having folks that had good vision so that we didn't have to worry about folks running into each other. You know, those, those um, mobility accidents that happen, and it's um, not because, you know, of lack of training. It's just it happens. Right. Um, the other thing that we're doing is, if you recall, we used to have various condiments on the table. Um, we don't anymore. The food service person or one of the VRC staff are there during meals. So if somebody wants coffee, water, ice, something from the dietary kitchen, uh, condiments, they ask for it, we get it for them. So there's not, uh, we don't have a lot of varying different hands touching all the various different things. Trying to keep down the number of touches to bring down the touch points. The staff are responsible for um, disinfecting various areas. So the second floor, which is where I work, are all the staff, which is, in this case, the computer access training team, visual skills and manual skills, all said, we don't want to rotate. Just give us a, a, an assignment and we'll keep it forever. Downstairs, they're rotating. So what that means basically is high touch points like doorknobs, door jams, uh, railings, elevator buttons, uh, computers, uh, activity rooms, the chairs, the tables, um, things that get touched often are disinfected twice a day uh, to um, pre- prevent any potential contamination. Um, we uh, have changed our class schedule. We used to be a six, six period a day with like 15 minutes in between uh, due to uh, disinfection. Uh, we have now changed that to first period being 8.15 to 9.15 with a half an hour break. When that break includes um, the opportunity for staff to do disinfection of the classroom, of the equipment, and everything else that's being used. And then um, 9.45 to 10.45, another half an hour break for the same thing. Um, 11.15 to 12.15, and then lunch to one o'clock, one o'clock to two o'clock, fifth period, two, two, two o'clock to two fifteen. No, I say take that back. One fifteen to two fifteen is, sec- is fifth, fourth period, and two thirty to three thirty. There's only a half an hour break there. Is fifth period, and so every veteran will get at least, if it's computer training, will get at least three periods a day of training so that the staff can take care of their, their virtual training clients. Um, those who are in for regular programming, which like I said, is your basic skills of living skills, orientation and mobility, visual skills and manual skills. We try to fill up their schedule with something every period for those five periods. Um, instructors are um, like the veterans. The instructors have to wear masks, but we also have to wear a face shield or goggles while working with the veterans. If we go into a veteran's room, um, if we're not touching anything, uh, we can still just be face shield and mask. But if we're going to sit down and work with a veteran or help them pack or unpack or other kinds of things, we need to wear gloves. So you can see the whole environment has been centered around keeping everybody healthy and safe and um, potentially not infected with anything, whether it be the flu, a cold, or COVID. 
Um, how would you like me to go from here, Tyson? Well, uh, so upon also for admission, do you require them since it's now available to have received their flu shot? Uh, if they haven't received their flu shot, they'll get it when they get there. Uh, that's a good question. Prior to admission, we uh, the veterans uh, about a week and a half to two weeks prior, after they've accepted an admission, have to have a COVID test. And then if that one comes back negative, when they arrive, um, somebody will meet them at um, one of the entry points, um, assist them in. Uh, they will have a COVID test. They then wait in their room until we get the results from the COVID test. If the COVID test comes back negative, then we start with orientation and the regular route. Well, semi-regular routine of things. Uh, okay. And then, um, if on- not, they would get sent. They would get sent home. Okay. Um, that was going to be my next question: is what happens if something? But but you just answered that. So, are there any current programs that, uh, due to their due to their nature, are not being done? Um, yes. Um, headborne or what we call headborne um, visual skills activities, which would be like your uh, Orcam My Eye, um, the Patriot View, um, and other devices that you wear on your head. Um, and this is because there is not a safe way to disinfect due to some of the materials the devices are made out of. And sometimes the instructor needs to wear the device with some of these ones that they look through in order to do setup and adjustments. And so if we're handing it back and forth, veteran to instructor, veteran to instructor, it's not considered healthy or safe. Jerry with a question. Okay. Um, not yet, sir. We'll get you there, Jerry. Um, so uh, we see your hand raised. So uh, as far as um, now, let's kind of go through um, for people who are unfamiliar with or who are listening in who don't know what these different um, services, and I know you've mentioned them before, but if maybe you can go just a little bit more detail into each of them of the different uh, programs that you have. So, example, so for example, what consists of of O and M, what consists of living skills, of um, of the skill, of absolutely, the skills and cat skills. So, absolutely, I'll start with the basic program. The basic program, living skills, uh, is like I said earlier, uh, activities of daily living that can include things like money organization, um, clothing organization, identification of items, uh, whether it be clothing, uh, food labels. Uh, papers, um, could be sewing skills. Maybe somebody needs to know sew on a button. Um, cooking skills from anything as simple as using a George Foreman grill, a slow cooker, um, crock pot, a um, pressure cook. No, we haven't done pressure cooking yet. Um, stovetop cooking, oven cooking. We recently have done air fryer. We have... Um, an air fryer that we've been using. Um, I don't remember the name of it. We have done two different ones. We also have introduced a talking toaster oven, microwave cooking, um, uh, barcode labeling, color identification, um, pen friend for other types of labeling, um, Handwriting, if it's something that somebody needs to know how to sign their name or needs to practice on signing names, so using a signature guide. Money management, how to fold your money and organize it in a wallet or, or a purse. Um, 
things of that nature of being safe and organized at home that that I could keep going on. There's so many different areas, time telling uh, recorders like the Victor stream, the milestone. Um, we no longer issue talking Bibles um, that has to do with a VA directive that stated that we couldn't basically uh, church and state kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So um, that is referred out to the chaplain. The chaplain does have a talking type Bible device. It's not the same thing as a Go Bible, but if they're issued that and they come to us with it, we will train them on how to use the device. Uh, Orientation and mobility. Uh, Orientation is to know where you are in place and time. Mobility is how to use a white cane or a guide dog uh, to get around safely how to use protective techniques to prevent yourself from bumping your head um, or uh, running into items by using your forearms at an upper or lower level, how to find things that have been dropped safely. We start with the basics of just how to use a cane if somebody has never used a cane. Folks who come in using a cane, maybe they've picked up some bad techniques or bad habits, and the staff will work on um, those, but also orientation and mobility will also, since our population is generally in their um, 80s, will also do a fall assessment when they first come in to see what they're their uh, fall risk. And if they are a fall risk, they'll talk to them and have a class on fall preventions. What can you do to help prevent yourself from being uh, a victim of a fall? Um, And then at the end of orientation and mobility, they'll do a post-test of falls to see if you've improved and it become less of a fall risk. Um, With that in mind, we have something that um, I don't know when it's going to resume uh, because it's a group class. And since we're not doing group classes, unless they're, I've had to do one, and I'll talk about it later, uh, where there's very few people and the distance is at least six six feet apart part from each participant and it's called a matter of balance and that is a four-week course that works on various exercises and life practices to help people become better balanced and less of a fall risk Um, and also planning activities and doing activities that help you keep moving and um active, which being continuing those kinds of activities will help you prevent yourself from becoming a fall risk or at least a bad fall risk. We've had folks who came in uh, using walkers, not being able to do anything without the walker, where some of them improved uh, well enough to where they could use a support cane in their room without having to use the walker because they had gained so much stability. And that's an orientation and mobility program. Visual skills is something that we work with optometry with. When a veteran comes in, they generally see optometry and they'll get recommendations. And that's a time when a veteran should bring in the equipment that they're already using that's portable, like handheld magnifiers, glasses, um, handheld CCTVs like the Ruby or the Pebble, um, monoculars, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Max TV, Max Detail, which are devices that one wears so they can be hands-free to do items and then also know how well their CCTVs are working for them. And um, 
optometry will work with uh, the veterans to see where their vision is. Has it changed? Is it stable? Um, are the devices that they're currently using um, working for them? If they're coming uh, for a recommendation for a head-worn device, um, that has to be approved by uh, optometry. Optometry um, approves many of our visual skills devices like CCTVs, head-worn devices, uh, the prescription of a magnifier. Um, they might tell us, um, okay, this person could use a magnifier somewhere between 2X and 4X. Can you please um, do some demonstrations and working with the student to find out which works best for them for the kinds of things they do. So we, give a, we get a little latitude in um, magnification, but it's still prescribed by optometry. Mm. So visual skills then does a number of visual tests to see if we, do we have color blindness, um, what kind of field loss does a person have. In other words, they try and find a person's blind spots. If you have macular degeneration, you are going to have some central blind spots. If you have RP, retinitis pigmentosa, or if you have glaucoma, you're going to have some visual, uh, some veal of vision loss. And um, they'll do some tests to help with that, to find help you know where you see best. Yes, Tyson. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I didn't have a question. Oh, I thought you were going to say, ask me something. Uh, no, not at this point. But, um, but uh, I was just, I was thinking about... Um, about the, the mag- I think I was going to comment on the magnification thing, but you covered it. So, um, about it so, being prescribed by, by optometry. Yes, optometry prescribes many of our devices. And then manual skills, while many people think of manual skills as a recreational tool, in other words, doing things like whether it be um, if you have vision, you might do painting or drawing, or you might do um, woodcraft, ceramics, leather craft. Uh, woodworking uh, and woodworking can be anything from uh, small items to doing stuff on a table saw or a lathe could be on a small lathe doing pins could be on a large lathe lathe making candlesticks or other other kinds of things we also have jigsaws and a number of other items um, in which to use and many of our guys who used to use or had a whole garage full of tools and when they lost their vision didn't know how to safely use these tools. We teach them how to be safe and introduce them to tools to use with the tool to help them continue to be safe, including, I think it was the jigsaw where we had the CCTV hooked up in a way where it was on a um, stand and the camera was pointed at the saw and you could then follow your tracing and, cut your pieces if you were making a puzzle piece or something else. We also have something that many of the veterans right now are doing since uh, our table saw has been broken and we finally got the pieces um, after eight months to fix it (laughs) um, is copper tooling where you take a piece of copper and um, it's it's a project I have never done. I've done many of these other things, but I've never done copper tooling, but I know that you're uh, doing a relief where you're, you're, rubbing until you get the picture into the copper and then you do some treatments on top to bring out the picture to make it more distinct. And then um, many of the guys will frame this uh, copper tooling project so that it becomes a picture or something they can give as a gift. Uh, One of the most popular larger projects is the Last Supper. Oh, wow. I remember when I went through that program, uh, uh, I was able to do guitars. 
Yes, we also do guitars, um, ukuleles. We had one guy do a banjo, piano, and we've had a number of folks um, do harmonica. Unfortunately, you guys don't issue those instruments. <laughs> no, we do not issue right. the instruments, yeah. but we but we do we have issued the CDs. Although the CDs mm-hmm. are no longer being manufactured, but I'll tell you, all of those most of those CDs lessons are available through the uh, music component of NLS. Right. Yeah. All of those. All of those books. Those uh, teach yourself, or not teach yourself, rather, but uh, guitars for the blind. Uh, and I can never. Uh, uh, Brown is his last name. Uh, Bob Brown, I think. Uh, yes. Yeah, yes, that's, that sounds right. Yep, exactly. So, and then finally, finally, I think we've gotten to your specialty, and then we'll take some questions after we after we power through Cat. Now, computer access training is um, we they started out with just doing computers with laptop or desktop computers. Uh, when I first started, they were doing component computers from EVOS, which is an Eastern. Um, uh, facility on the East Coast, and um, we do anything from Zoom Text and JAWS were the most common programs when I first started. We were also integrating Guide at the time. Guide six was what was being offered. A uh, Guide wasn't um, stay; it was stable to a certain point in some of the things that were in the program, but Internet was not one of the better things. It has much improved. We're now to a version called Guide Connect. So um, we went from six, seven, I don't know if they had an eight, nine, and now uh, Guide Connect, um, which is a screen reader and a screen enlargement. Somebody using Guide, they could literally operate Guide on a computer, a laptop, a Windows tablet, um, they can also use dictation now, which wasn't, they had a version that had dictation, but it had many flaws. They took it off the market. It's now back with the remote control as well. There's something now, um, I'm going to try and see if, if the Long Beach VA can get a box to work with the TV so you can actually use guide on your TV. Mm. You can do barred books, newsline books. Uh, there's a couple of the free libraries, um, internet, email documents, documents and letters where you actually will ask you for the person's name and formulate it for an actual letter. Um, mm-hmm. Radio stations, podcasts. And all you need to really know is your arrow keys, your escape key, and the inner key. Mm-hmm. Zoom text, which is more of a traditional computer use where somebody who once used a computer but now can't really see well. Zoom text itself is a screen enlargement, which will enlarge anywhere from, uh, what is it, one and a half X, which is only half times, but to 32 or is it 64? I, don't, I can't keep track because they keep the changing it. I think it. the latest goes up to 64. However, 64 times magnification is less than one letter on the screen. It is. It is, it is very, very high mag. You have to have a large, large screen to to make use well, even large it it's still it's still engaged it still it still blows it up to the it's, it's the it's the yes. resolution and so one of the things that i tell people to think about is if your vision is such that you go past 8x if you're still productive doing it using 8x good to you keep doing it once you get to 8x i i recommend that you start thinking about either using Zoom Text Fusion, where you can use a combination mm-hmm. of Zoom Text with Screen Reader. 
Fusion today, uh, originally um, ZoomText was owned by a company called AI Squared. AI Squared was bought, like so many other things, by Vispero, which is the company that owns Freedom Scientific now. Um, so now instead of Fusion being um, ZoomText and Window Eyes, it's now ZoomText and JAWS. So it's a combination of the two programs combined into one. You can run it just as ZoomText, you can run it just as JAWS, or you can run it as Fusion, the two together. Um, JAWS is a screen reader. Screen reader meaning whatever is written on the screen will convert into spoken text, much like voiceover on your cell phones. We also offer tablets iPads, are, we're generally giving iPads 12.9s with, um, for those who are using either Zoom or VoiceOver. Occasionally we have folks who don't use anything at all because they have a good central vision, like those who have RP. Um, but we'll teach things like speak screen, which so when you need that assistance in reading because the prolonged reading is something that is difficult to do, mm-hmm. we'll assist you in learning how to do that. And we'll do that on the iPhones as well. Currently, we're in transition. We were issuing iPhone XRs. We're now transitioning to iPhone 12s and or iPhone SE 2 for those who can't do without the home button. Um, trans- for some folks, the transition from home button to non-home button is uh, too difficult for um, some of our folks to to do. So we still are keeping the SE2 as part of our stock for easy transition. Um, a, a, a regular program usually includes one or two classes of living skills, one or two classes of orientation and mobility, a manual skills, a visual skills class per day when we had six periods. Mm-hmm. Um, a computer uh, person coming in for computers, whether it be an iOS device, JAWS, ZoomText, Fusion, um, will have three classes per day um, because it's a more intense program and what you're learning um, unless you're familiar with the topic, uh, it can be very intense and take a lot of time and a lot of what I call muscle memory where you're having to learn new tasks and new ways of doing things, especially if you're going from being a mouse user to being a keyboard user where you use keyboard shortcuts. Um, we oftentimes also have a lot more uh, information to cover. I'd say that the two programs that go long, the three programs that go longest are um, computers, orientation and mobility, and living skills. Right. The one thing I really like, so, so you know, that uh, Long Beach was my first um, VA experience. And the thing I really like about it, and it went to the other ones that I've been to, is that you're really tailored to what, you know, the program is tailored. It's not a one-size-fits-all. It's, it's what your needs are, how, how you use the technology. And I love that about the, about the BRCs. Absolutely. And so sometimes um, we've had folks come in who say, I want to use a computer. I want to use a computer. We do an assessment. We find out what they want to use the computer for. Well, have you ever typed? No. Uh, And let's say they've been using an iPhone and they've been using it very successfully. And really what they want to do is surf the internet, do Facebook and send and receive emails. We might go to an iPad instead of going to a computer um, for a couple of reasons. One, it's using an environment that they're already used to and familiar with, Mm -hmm. and they're able to use dictation if they aren't able to type so long as they have access to 
uh, internet connection. Okay. I wanted to ask one specific thing, and then I see we have a couple hands up, and we'll get to those, I promise you. Um, uh, regarding all home automation things, like the like using a HomePod or using like uh, an Echo device or a Google Nest or something like that to interact, do, do are they are you guys training on that kind of stuff now? We are training the Echo devices themselves. We issue Echoes. Um, I think we're issuing Echo second generations. As soon as those run out, we'll be doing Echo third generations. Um, but as far as devices like um, smart plugs, plugs or- and lights, smart plugs and lights and thermostats uh, and the like, at this time we are not issuing those. Um, although we have helped veterans purchase plugs, they brought them in. We taught them how to use them with Alexa. Okay. Um, so, and, until and the thermostats, it's kind of um, uh, iffy because that kind of thing also falls under the um, I forget what the program's called. Where some you can get yeah. There's there's a program that allows you to there's a there's a program that allows you to update your home and you have to apply for that kind of a grant. So we, we were talking about the, the, the problem with the, like the thermostats and stuff like that. And we were talking it's, about getting them through, I think it's the home upgrade grant. Yes. And so that's where we're, we're there's um, the issue of a thermostat needs to be professionally installed. Yes, some of our guys can install their thermostats themselves, but because it deals with electrical safety, blah, blah, blah. Correct. And so... Even though at one point we used to issue the Calvins, um, at this point they're kind of like, okay, well, who's going who's gonna to issue it? Who's going to train on it? Is it going to be issued by manual skills? Is it going to be trained on by, by computers? Is it going to be installed by the home? You know, it's like who who's, owns who's, it? And exactly. That's what I was just thinking. Whose territory and is that? And so it, it's still not – determined and so therefore we in terms of the va as a whole across the board have decided that vrcs at this point in time are not issuing those devices okay all right all right well that's a, that is a lot of information that you just tossed at us and and i can imagine that if if someone feels overwhelmed <laughs> that 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 is but in the meantime let's let's go ahead and grab some questions because i know we have a couple hands up we have a question. Uh, Sheila, you may unmute. Hi, Sheila. I had two quick ones. Um, you mentioned uh, training people how not to be a fall risk. Um, what I wanted to know is, do you train people on how to fall safely if, if they have to fall? And the other question that I had um, about the headborne stuff, if you get a big enough UVC light box, you could probably put the device inside of it. It would mean that only the vet or only the instructor <coughs> in a given session, or they'd have to zap it between uh, handoffs. But the light box that I have for my cell phone it only goes for five minutes, so you just have to take a five-minute break and train them and uh, zap them out. Well, this is the uh, headborne device situation is something that has been um, de- decided by national, and so um, at this point in time, until they give us the go ahead, um, unfortunately, um, 
we're not not doing that. As far as um, falls, I have not participated in the matter of balance course, although I'm sure they talk about it um, because they talk about all kinds of things from exercises to things like what kinds of things in your environment cause a, can cause a fall, like um, area rugs um, and other hazards. Um, so I'm sure that they talk about you know, uh, falling. However, a matter of balance is a course that is not just um, specific to blind folks. It's um, something that's out there that you might even find in your own community through um, uh, senior centers or other um, entities that may have something to do with balance. Thank you, Sheila. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Next, who's next? Okay. Jerry Hogan. You may now unmute. Jerry, you've been waiting, my friend. Hey, uh, I got a few things, but I have a lot of few things, but I'm going to cut it short on uh, just a minor few things. Uh, first of all, I have a suggestion when you do something like this in the future. Like Stephanie, like she talks and she says a lot, and you and you ask a lot of questions as well. Well, I think it, it should break down in, in sections, so give people a chance while there's something she might have said that's fresh in their memory, and they can, it can ask that question instead of waiting later, and then, the, and then they forget the question. Um, just something to think about there, because a, a, lot, of, a, lot, of, a lot of site does that. They, They'll take a break and, and give people a chance to ask questions. You know, like they'll say, "Oh, we'll take two, three, four questions, then we'll move on," and then and so on. Just a suggestion. First, my one thing is when a patient when a patient go into the hospital and they they're admitted to the blind center, and then you did give them a COVID test. How many days do they have to wait for, for that test? Because you know, I just came back from. Hine in February for a week and a half, and I would issue a mini, a, a mini computer that I wanted, and they gave me everything that, that I wanted, and and uh, and and I was there just for a week and a half. But uh, first couple of days I was getting a little about ready to pack my bag and just go back home because. I'm sitting around in uh, uh, killing time here, and I came there for a short time to learn. Now, when somebody want a COVID test, they have to have the test. How many days does that take? Because you know, I'm sure they're kind of idle. In so, so when a person applies to goes through their VIS, they go through the various things that they need to do to apply to the blind center. Once you get it, in our case, once you get a call from our clinical coordinator, Don Vu, he will direct you to get a COVID test about a week to a week and a half prior to admitting. You report your results, and then when you admit, uh, we bring you in to your room, give you, get a, you get a COVID test right then. You are, um, at that point, asked to stay in your room until we get the results, which is same day within a few hours. And once the results come in, then whoever nursing comes in and does their thing. And then whoever comes and does orientation, oh, okay. 
I, I would have cared what the waiting time there. Yeah. Okay. And then and thereafter, once a week, while you're okay. there, you get tested. Okay, that's good. Good. The more you get tested for that. Um, the other thing now. Now, uh, I was I was running. My wife and I was running about here in San Antonio. Now and uh, and then we, we stop at Bed Bath and Beyond and. And because of that, day, 25% off plus a $10 coupon and so on. But the lady started bringing up about something on the phone. Uh, I, had, I had to go into the mess, messenger, and then she she didn't. I said, well, where, where do you want me to click? And she kind of started putting her finger on my phone. And I said, don't touch my phone. And I said, I don't want no, uh, and I said, I don't mean to be rude, but. I right. do not want nobody to touch my phone. Not right now. Not not with the COVID. You know, I, I don't know you, and uh, sorry, ma'am, but don't please don't touch the phone. Just tell me what I need to do. Well, they got you know, we kind of went through it, but we got it done. Okay, but what I want to say is, is that if if I don't want to go to the blind center, and there's something they need, like I just got here from Waco out of Waco, Texas. A talking culture of them by Black and Decker. Mm-hmm. And I wanted it. It worked very good. I'm very happy with it. I, just because it talks, it's expensive. But, you know, it's a shame. Just like for me. So if, if your question is, can you get my training question, without... Co- okay. my, question, my question is, if a veteran do not want to go to a blind center, and and then, and then uh, uh, because they don't want to go into the building, and and they prefer to go at home and they do that and get the divide issue locally from home. So it, what? Let me training. let me let me speak to that. Um, so for veterans who don't want to come in, we have had some living skills um, training and so, a much a lot of computer training done virtually. In some cases, we, with the computers, sometimes we will um, issue it, set it up, and then send it out to the veteran, and then they will contact us when they get the device, and then we will do set up virtual training. Uh, with living skills, like we had, I, I don't remember what they were teaching exactly, but I know they did some cook, did they do cooking with a person? I don't remember what the topic was they did, but... Um, Living Skills contacted the veteran, and they did uh, virtual training, which means using VDA, yeah, Video I, I Connect, with, mm-hmm. with, with their phone or their tablet or their computer. Um, with a tablet or a phone, it's more portable, and they can go into the kitchen. They can go into wherever it is they need to do for, for living skills. So they've done living skills, and we've done visual skills. I know that... Um, we also had a mini mobility. Um, a, there was a mobility type uh, exercise that was done uh, by one of our staff members as well. So, if you're interested in uh, virtual training, it's worth contacting your VIST and asking if their local, your local uh, BRC, is providing virtual training. And many nope. of them are. Okay, I got one more question. Jerry, I'm uh, Jerry. I'm, I really, I'm really sorry, but I want to Jerry. There are other people in this call who have their hands up as well, and I'd like to give them an opportunity to ask their question. 
So um, if we could go ahead and, and move forward, I very much appreciate that. Thank you for thank you for your questions because they're very they're very good knowledge for for the rest of us to 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 be aware of, especially about the the ability to train in home. Yes, we have another question. Telephone number ending in four five three. Who is this? Hey, my name is Melvin Gatewood. I'm here in Houston, Texas. Uh, I went to Waco about nineteen years ago, maybe twenty, and at that time they didn't have the the, the items, the, the uh, tools that they have now. So since then, I've been issued an iPhone and a guide connect. I'm all right with them, but I'm not where I would like to be with them. And because of transportation here, I can go to the visor clinic day in and day out because it's my apartment now because of COVID-19. And I was going to try to get to Waco or Biloxi to where I could do like an everyday class. So if I went to Waco or Biloxi, could I set my program up to where I would just basically focus on iPhones and the and the guy connect? Um, I would I would first very much um, say contact your vist, uh, Waco. Um, they um reopened two weeks ago, so they are taking inpatient clients, but they also most likely have. Um, virtual training as well. Uh, your VIST will have a better idea as to uh, what's available and um, whether what you want to do. I'm going to say most of your computer training can be completed successfully during through virtual training if they are offering it. Um, if you come in, um, they're going to probably do much like we have, which is say, okay, what is your primary goal or goals? And we're going to stick to those primary goals. Let's say um, you might have you want to you want to be able to do email on your Guide Connect, or you might want to do uh, books like Bard Books and Newsline. And so you say what your your main goals are, and we try and get you in and out within three weeks. Our goal is to try Long Beach's goal, and I know because since we've been open one of the longest. A lot of the other BRCs are going to try and follow what we've been doing, which is take the veterans' top priority goals and focus on those specifically to get you in and out within three weeks. There are some exceptions uh, for uh, four weeks. Well, well, even though I wanted to just focus on the iPhone and the guy connect, but there's some other activity that I would like to do too. Uh, so like for instance, could I say do two hours a day on each one and then work some other stuff in or uh, they would have to set the curriculum once I get there and they determine what my goals are. Now I already spoke with, uh, uh, I think it's Lane from Waco and he already said they opened up on a limited basis. I'm pretty sure Belux is still dealing with the hurricane. So I don't think they want, they ready to take anybody at this time. I know the I protocol to go through the visor, to go through all the different procedures and all the different things you have to do to, to, to qualify to go. I was just wondering, you know, uh, if I got there and I wanted to focus on iPhone and the guy connect and do some other stuff that Lane had told me that they were offering now that they weren't offering when I went back uh, 19 years ago. So chances are they're going to they're gonna make your main classes be uh, uh, iPhone and, and guide. And if there is availability for whatever that other item is that you want, they may try and get it in because staff 
um, because we don't have full full rosters, staff are open. And when staff are open, um, if we have the ability to give them somebody to work with, we will. And I'm sure that Waco is probably doing the same thing so that staff stay busy. Um, well, I would like to, I did the copper tool and I got the last supper. I would like to do another project. And I had a cane host of leather with my initials on it. And some kind of way, somebody put their hands on it and walked out with it. And I would like to make me another custom one through leather. So what I would do when you when you um, go through the process and the clinical coordinator for Waco contacts you, you would say, these are the goals that I have for iPhone. These are the goals I have for guide. And if permitted, I would like to make a cane holster. And you would also, the other thing you would say to them is that I've already made one in the past, so this is not something new to me. Because that helps them know that they're not teaching you from scratch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Okay. Uh, and I believe we have any other hands? Yes, we do. Kathy Casey, you may unmute. Tyson, thank you very much for this program. It's really, really good. Um, the question I have is, Prior to COVID, or could be now, have you had any clients come in recently served over, you know, like in Iraq that are recently blinded with multiple injuries such as PTSD and traumatic brain injury? We've had a number of students come through our center with either or both. Um, uh, and it doesn't necessarily mean it it could be those, uh, we've had some new folk, you know, some younger folks, um, and they usually come and go very quickly. We also have some that are in, in, when I say younger, I mean like in their fifties and such that are still, you know, suffering from PTSD and traumatic, some traumatic brain injury. And, um, some of that is, is, um, they are still seeing their primary care to deal with some of the med issues that are needed. Also, we offer our psychology and social work um, programs to assist with any outlying issues that it doesn't fall within the quote standard blind rehab training. Um, So if there's something, let's say somebody has been having extreme uh, nightmares and sleep issues. They might talk to psychology, and psychology might give them some various um, relaxation or other kinds of techniques to work on to help with those issues. They will also provide them with talk therapy um, and other kinds of uh, cell, 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 other types of help that will help them find their way through that. And also, we've um, psychology often helps some of our folks that have. Charles Bonnet syndrome, which is hallucinatory visions. Um, some of our folks who have low vision will say, I see a tree in front of you or next to you, or I see a car, or I see they're seeing things. And it, it's Charles Bonnet syndrome. And it can be very disturbing and troublesome um, for a lot of these folks mm-hmm. um, because sometimes it's trying to determine, am I really seeing what I'm seeing or is it my syndrome that's kicking in again? And so psychology helps with that. Now, our social work often helps with housing issues. We currently have a veteran in-house who who came into the hospital for something else, was eventually transferred into our unit before we reopened, as a matter of fact. 
um, because he is a person who, due to the extreme vision loss he's had, uh, due to medical conditions, is not safe to go back home to where he was living. So family and the social worker are working to get him on Medi-Cal and to be able to then get him into veteran housing so that he is going to be living in a safer environment where he has assistance when needed and that he's not living by himself um, in, a, in a situation where it could be very dangerous or could be very neglectful to him. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. Thank you for that question, Kathy. Um, and Stephanie, I'm just going to just say right now, you called 50 young. So, so you just, you know, flattery will get you dinner next time I see you. <laughs> he gives out, he gives out Starbucks cards too. Anyway. So, um, <laughs> who do we have next? We have Ann Chapetta. Um, first of all, I want to say um, all the veterans here tonight, thank you for your service. Um, I'm the wife of uh, a veteran and I uh, work with veterans for about 10 years and uh, you guys are close to my heart. So, um, so um, blessings and um, good wishes for all of you tonight. Um, I have a question about cat and dog program. Um, I don't know, Stephanie, if you know anything about that, but I'm yes, also... Yes, I do. Yeah, uh, yes, so I do. I'm, and uh, I found out about it because I'm on a, um, I'm on a, a the visual, um, the blinded veterans auxiliary board, uh, and and they had mentioned it, and I was like, hmm, maybe I should ask you if you know anything about that because I didn't. I okay, didn't cat the about. cat and dog program is, uh, I forget which VA is doing it. Um, I think there's at least one, maybe two. Um, I can't tell you which ones because I don't remember, but I know I the school either. came out and talked to us and um, had, had approached us with it. Uh, at this point, we haven't started it, but it might be something we consider in the future. Basically, what happens is a person comes in for CAT. When they get to their last week and a half to two weeks of class, they then start doing their dog program. So they'll have maybe uh, AM classes with computer and PM classes with dog or vice versa. And then the hope is that they finish their cat program at the same time they finish their dog program. I think Stephanie, that's great. isn't that with Guide Dog Foundation? America's I, Vet Dogs. America's Vet Dogs, which is part of Guide Dogs Foundation. Right. Yes. Okay. So and they do. And I, that particular, um, what they told us when they came out to speak with us is somebody asked, well, do you do multi-function dogs? Meaning, is it just a guide dog or can the guide dog do other things? And they said it all depends on the dog and the veteran. So um, some dogs can handle more tasks than others um, where they've had folks who had balance issues or they've had folks who had PTSD. And I know the question was asked about wheelchairs. and I don't remember the answer, but I know that there are a couple of guide dog schools not necessarily this particular one, but there are a couple of guide dogs out there that will train folks uh, once a year because so it's a very specialized class on using a guide dog with a wheelchair. Goodness. Oh, interesting. Um, I, I know for a long time that uh, none of the schools were doing it and you had to um, obtain a private trainer. Um, but I wonder if there's only a couple of, there's only a couple of schools that were doing it. Um, I know that at one time, um, up North and in, in, um, up Northern California, 
Guide Dogs was doing it. I believe Florida was doing it for a while. Um, and there was one other that I don't remember. I just have one more question, if you don't mind. Um, do you see this actually becoming something, you know, in the future? If it if it goes well, is it still a pilot program? You know, how long do you think, you know? Um, I, I think it's going to really- depend on each VA and how they feel. Mm-hmm. I know that our VA was approached. They haven't said yes or no at this particular time. And I think part of it um, at this point in time is going to depend on um, – It'll probably be revisited at some point in the future in terms of um, alternative classes available. I don't know if it's something that we're going to do like the other VAs where they have it as a regular part of their curriculum. Um, and m- mostly that's because uh, how many people want a dog and are we able to sustain a right. regular uh, regular classes because they would have to bring um, trainers out, you know, yeah. Um, and the question is, is it worth them coming all the way out to, to, to Long Beach right. uh, to provide classes? And I think the sustainability is the biggest question for most of the VAs. I see you. You'll get your dinner in a minute. Speaking of guide dogs. Right. <laughs> thank you so much. I'm, I'm, I've got okay. – I've, I've got, thank you. I, I'm, I'm going to be watching this pretty closely just you know, as, a, as a matter of um, course. And thank you all for right. sharing that. Thank you, me. Annie. Tyson, I assume okay. that the Northern California Guide Dog School would be uh, San Rafael? Uh, either San yeah. Rafael, yeah. yeah, San Rafael, yeah, exactly. Or Oregon, but I think it's done in San Rafael. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyson, we I have know. several. I know uh, we do, but but okay. unfortunately, I've unfortunately we are well over the eight o'clock and going into the yes. second hour, and I want to be respectful of our guest, and I will take the whoever's got the next hand up. I will take that one, and unfortunately, the rest of you, I I do. We're going to do more of these in the future, and, and I urge you to um to uh to keep an eye on on the list for when those come out. So okay, our- I'm gonna I'm gonna take one that hasn't asked before. Okay, um. Phil? Yes, good evening to all of you on the call this evening. I personally want to thank all of you who are veterans. We really just cannot, we can't do too much for you folks because you made it possible for us to be doing what we're doing now, right now, being able to just sit around and exchange ideas and listen to one another. This is great. Thank you so much. We really need to honor you every day. Well, thank you so much, Phil. Uh, did you have a question, or was just that was it just the, the, the is that you wanted to is it all you wanted to say? No, it was just a comment I wanted to make. I, I, the opportunity I, I wanted to take. I appreciate. I, I very much appreciate that. Thank you so much. Okay, um, and with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this part of it. Stephanie, thank you so much for coming and speaking to us. Thank you for indulging um, the people with the questions going later than than our hour. Uh, absolutely not a problem. I want to say thank you to all your all of our veterans, just as our last callers did. Um, I appreciate everything you've done to give us the freedoms that we so sometimes take so for granted. Uh, without your putting your writing the ultimate check, putting your life on the line to give us the freedoms that we uh, get to live every single day, um, it's there's nothing I can do that would pay, pay back what some of you have, have gone through and have suffered to give me the freedom that I get to live. No, and so think. since I can't, since I could not serve, it's one of the things I tried to do as a high school student when, when they came, I, I played in the band. I, I was very interested in being in a military band, went down, talked to him and said, oh, nope, 
you're defective. They didn't say I was defective, but basically they said, well, because your vision, you can't be a part because you have mm-hmm. to go through boot camp. So I couldn't, 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 couldn't help then. So this is me helping you're, now. You're helping now. And the service you do for us to help us get back to a sense of independence is there's no value on that either. So I will, I will thank you for, for veterans to all of you who work in the BRCs. You are, you're our guides to, to, a, to, a, to back to independence. And we appreciate that. So thank you so much. Um, like I said, you are welcome to stay for this next, uh, for this next part. Um, but you are not beholden to, and I very much appreciate you coming on and talking with us. And uh, I can definitely see this conversation continuing. Uh, come, come uh, nationals. We'll maybe have you back for, for an update at that point where you guys are at absolutely absolutely things are going to change as covid changes well, yeah they're and they're always changing that's what i that's that's one of the things that's amazing about it the program oh yes i'll welcome to come back uh, i'd be you know glad to join you guys whenever you uh, okay. have a topic right. of interest yep and and uh, tell all those that i still remember from long beach that i said hello and i love you guys out there and i i miss cali so all right thank you stephanie <laughs> you take care you too bye-bye bye-bye